Um, I love, love, love where we're headed this month. It is Vision Month. We're taking the entire month of October, and it's Vision Month here at the church, but not just where we're headed as a church. But where are we looking? What's the vision that God has for our lives? What glasses are we looking through? What are we looking at? Um, Last week we kicked it off with sunglasses and the line that I absolutely love that my dad spoke last week is he said, what we look at will either enhance or distort the vision that God has for our lives. What we are looking at will either enhance or distort the vision that God has for our lives. And so that leads right into this week. He knows be my name. We're gonna do two parts today. We're gonna break down one. He knows me individually. My God loves me, and he knows me by name. But then we know that as Christians, we're to become more and more and more Christ-like. And God doesn't want it just to stop with us knowing our name and us knowing his name and us knowing that he knows our name, but taking it one step farther to go, do we know the names of people around us? And that's why we're all wearing name tags today. And so that'll make more sense at the end. But I want to talk about God knows us by name, each specifically, but then... When I read through the Bible, names are so important. Every single name in the Bible has a specific meaning. It has a purpose that it was put there. And usually what it comes down to is that whatever that name is in the Bible, it has a meaning behind what God has planned for that person's life. So we know that he changed Abram to Abraham, which is father in many nations. We know that he changed Sarai to Sarah. We know that he changed Saul to Paul. We know, so we know these name changes that has, has gone on throughout the Bible. So here's my question. God knows us by name. He foreknew us. He predestined us. He established and knew that we would be sitting here today before we were ever in our mother's womb. God knew that. God has a specific plan and purpose. Nobody can bring to the table what you can. There is not one other human human being on earth that has the same plan and purpose that God has for your life. I can't do what anybody in this room can do. It's impossible. So God has something so unique for each and every one of us, but what if If names are that important in the Bible, we know we serve the same God that is the God in the Bible, correct? Okay, so what if every time God spoke our name, because he calls us by name, he knows us by name, what if every time God spoke our name, he's calling our destiny into pass? He's bringing our destiny. He's speaking forth our destiny. What if? Because we know our name has meaning. We know that God wouldn't call us by name and not look at us and go, oh, we just sang about a child of God. The first song said, I'm not merely flesh and blood, but I was made for so much more. And then the second song says, how can I be lost when you've called me found? Okay, in our name, sometimes we think God calls us names instead of calling us by name. Sometimes we think God's like, you're an idiot. I don't even know why I created you. (laughs) Sometimes we think God's like, can you mess up again today? Like there's a meter and it's on empty. Sometimes we think that God's like, no, I'm done with you. You've messed up too many times. Sometimes we think that God has forgotten us. Sometimes we think God's just calling us names. But God's not. God is calling us by name. Our name, our destiny, speaking that into past. Every time he says our name to say, no, you're righteous. You're set apart. You're holy. You're made for such a time as this. You are not a mistake. I have not forgotten about you. That's what God speaks into motion every time he says our name. And if we could get that revelation, we would live different. Because we don't see ourselves that way. We see ourselves as a result of our mistakes. We see ourselves as a result of maybe something we happened to us in the past, as a result of what somebody did to us, as a result of a circumstance that we're facing right now, maybe as a result of words that have been spoken over us in the past. That's how we see ourselves. God can't see us that way. God created us perfect, whole, and complete, lacking nothing, and that's the only way he can see us. He can't see us broken. He can't see us. He can't see us that way. 
And so when he speaks forth our name, we may be in a broken place, but God's like, no, because you're healed and you're whole and you're set free. We may feel like we're being hold back, but held back by something. And God says, no, I didn't create you that way. I'm going to speak your name forth. And so what if we could grab hold of that? And when we spoke our name and we know God speaking our name and we spoke our name, we went, uh-uh, I don't fear. I'm no longer a slave from fear. I'm a child of God. We just sang it. I'm not merely flesh and blood. I was made for so much more. I'm alive in you. We sing about uh, shouting for God. We sing, I mean, phenomenal worship set this morning, but singing those things to be able to grab hold of those that when I look in the mirror, I go, I'm not broken. I'm not hurt. I'm not abandoned. I'm not full of fear. I'm not left out. I'm not rejected. That's not what my God says about me. And my God's the one that created me. So he knows better than anybody. I'm forgiven, I'm set free, I'm whole and I'm complete. Everything I set my hands to will be blessed. I'm above only and not beneath, the first, not the last. That's what God says about us. Can we grab hold of that as we move forward this morning? Let's go to Exodus 3.1 is where I'd like to start. And in 3.1 it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not being consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. Okay, that verse cracks me up. Just random side note here. Because it says, then Moses says, I will now turn aside. Was he just talking to himself out there? It says he's out there with a bunch of sheep. So was he literally like, waltzed in through the desert and was like, I will now, Moses, turn aside and look at this burning bush. Because that's what it says that happened. I'm like, did he tell a sheep like, hey, little buddy, I'm going to go look over here. Or was he just talking to himself? Because that verse always just cracks me up. I'm like, why, why is that there? But then verse four, it says, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Okay, God called him by name. He didn't say, hey, shepherd. Hey, you, yo this way. He said, Moses, he called him by his name. Okay. God does the same for us, but here's the key part. The part that I was making fun of. I was like, Oh, that's why that's there. It's important. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. And then in verse four, it says, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called to him. Okay. God calls us by name, but Moses had to turn from the circumstance. Moses had to turn from what he was doing. Moses had to turn from what he was looking at. He had to turn from his job. He had to turn from what was going on to look. He had to turn to look. And so in our lives, I wonder how many times God is doing stuff all around us, all the time, random burning bushes. I mean, I don't think any of you have experienced a talking bush, but if you have, that's awesome. But God's doing stuff all around us. And how many times do we forget to stop and look at what God is doing so we miss what he wants to say to us? We miss that he wants to call us by name and say something because we're focused on the circumstance, we're focused on what we're doing and we're focused on ourselves, but we forget to stop and look. Because it said, as soon as he stopped and looked, said he looked and behold the bush, or I will now turn aside and see this great sight. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. God called him by name when he stopped and looked. Can we stop and look? Maybe it's a time in prayer. Maybe it's, I'm going to take a time here. I'm going to be still. I'm going to know that you're God. Maybe it's time that we just stop and go, God, is there something that I need to see that there's a bigger picture? Maybe it's a time that we just stop and we're going to focus on the word, intentionally focus on the word. 
Maybe it's a time that we're facing a circumstance, we're facing a situation, our emotions are running crazy, everything is breaking down, everything is going crazy, and we stop and go, God, I just want to focus on you. I just want to know what your perspective is in this situation. And I wonder if God wouldn't just speak our destiny right to us right there. I don't think he was just saying Moses, Moses to get his attention. That's creepy. That's a bush. But I think he was speaking his destiny forth. And God will do the same thing for us. Now let's, let's go forward to uh, Exodus 33. And we're going to start in verse 11. Okay, so Moses came out of Egypt. He brought the Israelites out of Egypt. At the burning bush point, he was still in the desert. He came from the desert. He came to Egypt. All the plagues happened in Egypt. All the Israelites left Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. They have had manna provided for them. They have seen cloud by day. They've had fire by night. Everything has been given to them. Okay? They have been completely provided for. They're still in the desert at this point, but this is after miracle and miracle and miracle and miracle and miracle and miracle from God. Okay? So in verse 11, it says, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Okay, I want to stop right there for a second. God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Okay, I can talk to somebody face to face and them not be my friend. Like when I'm checking out at Starbucks, I can talk to the person on the other side. We're not friends. I mean, she made my coffee. She should be my friend or he. But I don't know her favorite color. She doesn't know my favorite color. She knows what coffee I'm drinking, but that's about it. We're not friends, but we're talking face to face. It says that God talked to Moses. Moses talked to God face to face as a man talks to his friend. Okay, that's a different relationship, right? Okay. And he would return to camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man did not depart from the tabernacle. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So shall... So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Okay? Moses says, you say that you know me by name. You say, have I found, and that I have found grace in your sight. Okay, that's what Moses is telling him here. But remember, we just said Moses walked through all kinds of stuff. Moses has watched God work in miraculous ways. Okay, if we're in this story, I don't know what we would be asking God for right now, but in verse 13, Moses says, that I may know you. That I may know you. He knows God has called him by name already. And still, after all the miracles, after walking with God, after talking to him face to face, the one thing that Moses asked for is that, that I may know you. I just want to know you. You know me by name. I want to know you by name. That's all he asked for, that I may know you. And I wonder, we know that God knows us by name, so we kind of take advantage of that, like, oh, we're tight, so what you got for me today? What are you going to give me today? God, I need help in this situation. God, I need this. And God goes, do you just want to know me? 
Do you just want to know me? Nobody likes a friend who's like, oh yeah, I got the connections. Hey, I got this thing going on. And since you got whatever, fill in the blank, could you help me out? I don't like friends that way. This is always want to pull from us. And this says, Moses talked to God face to face as a man talks to his friend. We like our friends when we just want to hang out and get to know each other. We like our friends when we just want to hang out, learn more about each other, having an absolute blast. And God's the same way with us. And so many times we can be like, God knows me by name. God's created me. So God's going to give me this and God's going to give me this. And I'm praying for this and I need this. But sometimes all that we need is just to know God. Because the more we know God, the more he reveals about us, to us. Just by knowing God. And so that's Moses' one question here. And then God tells him at the end, he says, I know you by name. I know you by name. Just reassuring Moses, hey, I got this. I know you by name. Okay, here's what happened here is that one, God called Moses by name. Two, God told him who he was to him. Later on, after the burning bush, Moses says, well, who are you? And he says, I am the I am. And so God reveals who he is to Moses. Moses says, I just want to know you. I want to find grace in your sight. I don't want to go anywhere without you. Do we tell God that? God, I don't want to go anywhere without you. If your presence isn't going, I'm not going. If you're not coming with me, I don't want to go. But sometimes it's too easy to be like, God, you know me by name, but if you could just stay right here, I got to go take care of this situation and then I'll be back. Don't peek. It's like hide and seek, except sometimes you play with little kids and you just don't count. So you hope they fall asleep in a closet or something. Okay, that's what we do with God sometimes, like stay there and we take off, okay? That's not what God wants. God wants to be, and that's what Moses was saying here, is if your presence doesn't go with us, do not bring us up from here. Okay, and then God goes one step farther, and this is the step that's so important, is he doesn't just tell Moses who he is. He doesn't just reveal himself to Moses. He doesn't just say, hey, I know you by name. But he goes one step farther is he goes, now that I know you, you know me, I'm going to show you how I want to work through you to accomplish my purpose in the people around you. We forget that step because we want to know who God is for me. And I want to know that God knows me by name. And I want to have an amazing relationship with God. And I want to tell everybody around me how my relationship with God is working. But I forget all too often that God wants to use that relationship that he has with me to work through me to the people around me. And that's the step that with Moses here, he's like, all right, now we're going to go forward and this is what we're going to do. See, when God established us in Eden, um, he created man. He named him Adam, okay? He created him. He called him by name. But then he did one more thing. He said, man should not be alone. And he put someone there with him. So that Adam could have a relationship with God, but Adam could also have a relationship with a person to accomplish the purpose that God had. We are so easy to have a relationship with God, but we forget that that relationship is supposed to work to people. And in Vision Month, he knows me by name. This is the second part of that, is we serve a God that knows us by name. He loves us. But do we know people by name? Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And in imitating Christ, if Jesus knows me by name, he probably wants me to know the people around me by name. But remember what we said a name was. Name was speaking forth the destiny. When Jesus says my name, he's speaking forth the destiny and their plans and the purposes that he created me for. So not just knowing people's names. I can know Eli's name. Eli, Elias. I can know his name, but am I speaking forth? Do I know Eli well enough that I can speak forth the destiny that God has for his life? 
Do I know Eli well enough that I can, when I talk about Eli, when I talk to Eli, that when I say that name, that I'm going, no, every plan and purpose of God is going to come to pass on Eli's behalf. I believe in what, do we know each other that well? Because we're the body of Christ. We cannot function without each other. And that's the heart behind this message. And that's the heart behind Vision Month is that not our vision just being on ourselves, but our vision being on the people around us and how important we all are. And I'm going to show you that in just a second. If you'll turn to Matthew 22, 37 with me. And the ushers are going to be handing out some papers. I did an analogy in Conquer Connect yesterday, and I was talking to my dad about service this morning. And he goes, well, what did you teach yesterday? And so I was telling him, and he goes, oh, you got to do that in service. And I was like, dad, that's a little hard to do in like a main service. And he goes, no, I want you to do it in service and tell everybody I told you to do it. So that's from my dad. They said hello, by the way. I forgot to start with that. They're speaking at a conference in Tomball, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston. And they said they're having a great time, but they miss you guys, and they will be back tomorrow. So, but they said to tell you all hello. But Matthew 22, 37. And it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, first is love God. Second is love people. This is the thing about this verse. They cannot function independently. We cannot love God and not love people. And we cannot love people without loving God because anything outside of God will create distortion and is unhealthy. So these two have to work together. Okay, does everybody have a piece of paper? Not yet. All right, we're getting there. If you don't have them and you've already been passed by an usher, just queen wave at them and they will bring you one very quickly. Perfect. That's a great queen wave effect there. All right, so everybody has a piece of paper. All right, to begin with, we don't know what this looks like. It's a bunch of dots, right? Because we're going to connect the dots. It is a bunch of dots. Sometimes we feel like this is God's plan for our life, that we look down and we're like, what on earth? It's a bunch of dots. Okay, here's what I want us to do. I would like us to want any dot that you would like, but I would like you to find five people, and I would like you to write their names by any random dot on your paper. Any random dot, but find five people. They can be in your row if you don't want to get up. If you do want to get up and walk around, do so. And it doesn't have to just be five, but at least get five in there. And if you want to do more than that, that's awesome too. But write down the names of five people next to any dot. It does not have to be in order. It can be any dot that you have. All right, ready, set, go. All right, we're going to go for about 30 more seconds. All right, now what I'd like you to do is you're going to start at number one. You are only going to draw a line through the numbers that have a name next to them. Do not draw through a dot that does not have a name next to it. Okay? Draw through the dots that have a name next to it and then go back to the beginning. You don't have to go back to the beginning from each name. That's just your end point. So make a full circle, but only through the dots that have a name by them. I'm awful at drawing. And I work in children's ministry, so I told everybody for a service, this was just so all of you can draw like me. Thank you for participating. <laughs> okay, after you finish with just those, now start at one and go through all the dots on the paper. First service, this was the most difficult task for everybody. <laughs> okay, everybody get them done? No. <laughs> Good thing you didn't draw names by all of them. 
Okay, if you're not finished, continue just to draw to finish. But if you are, what I'd like you to do is I want you to look at the difference in your pictures. The pictures that you drew to begin with and the picture that it's supposed to be. Okay, here's what this represents, or just an illustration, is the overall picture is the big picture that God has for our lives. Okay, it's so much bigger than just us. It's so much bigger than what we can imagine. It's so much bigger than what we could do for ourselves. Okay, this is the big picture. We don't know what that looks like. We don't know what it is. We, don't, we have no idea what that's going to be. Because God says that it's exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. Okay, this is so much different than what we could do. Each one of the dots on the paper represents the people in our lives. Every dot represents a person in our life. They represent people in our lives that we're surrounded with. Okay, the line in between the dots, that represents our connection with God because we, we just read, we gotta love God and love people. We connect with God and we connect with people. We cannot connect with people without connecting with God. Okay, here's what happens, is that our first picture that we drew, that's what happens when we limit God and we choose who we will allow in our life and who we won't. When we choose who we allow God to work through us to, to impact. When we choose who we allow God to work through us to minister to. That we allow, that we, we set these parameters that, nope, this is my group of five. Us four and no more. When we pick and choose, you know, that person hurt me, so I'm going to like, erase their dot out of my life. Okay, the picture's going to look different. It's going to look distorted. God is not surprised by who's been in our life. God is not surprised by who is in our life. God is not surprised who will be in our life. But it all plays a part on the big picture. That picture cannot be complete without people. Each one of those dots, any of those dots missing, we cannot complete the picture. And if we do, it's a distorted image of the big picture that God has already predestined for our lives. But each one of those dots plays such a, a specific role. But here's what it does. As I was praying, I was so humbled by this because so many times we can try to isolate ourselves or so many times we try to pick and choose and I don't, I don't want that person, so I'm going to erase their dot and I encountered this person, and I'm going to erase that. I really like this person, so I'm going to make their dot really big. We, that's all we have on our, our sheet. You see, but without all of those dots being complete, without all the people that God has put in our lives being complete on that connect the dots chart, we'll never see the big picture. So here's how that works for us personally. My life, I cannot fulfill the big picture that God has for my life without each and every one of us. Because I can't do it on my own. Without each and every one of us, each and every person that God has in my life, whether I'm planned for them to be there or not planned for them to be there, whoever it may or may not be. I'm going to show us a, a story in the, in the Word in just a second to, to kind of wrap this up. But my life will be completely different. But I can't be the fullness of who God created me to be without you. And then think of that for yourself. Look around the room. Look at, we are the body of Christ. We cannot be complete without everybody in here. Without the people in our workplace. Without the people, and sometimes it's so easy to overlook like, oh, they're just, they're not on my chart at all. That's so easy to do. But without a full chart of all the people that God has put in our lives, we can never fulfill and see the big picture that God has. God always has a bigger picture than what we can imagine. But the other important part in there is those connection points in between. Because we cannot love people, we cannot connect with people outside of a connection with God. 
between each one of those points, there's a connection with God. And sometimes maybe we've been hurt by a person, so we don't connect with God after that, and that, that just ends. Maybe it's just skipped, because there's not a healing point in there that God wants to heal us, that God wants to take care of some things so that we can connect with the next person. And I'm going to show us that. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to turn there. I'm going to paraphrase the story for time's sake. But the story of Joseph, I absolutely love Joseph. And I saw something that I've never seen before in his story. Joseph was, um, he had a dream. God had given him a dream. And for us, that can be anything. Maybe that was a word that we thought God gave us. Maybe that was some hope that we had. Maybe it, was a, maybe it really was a dream that we had for our lives. Maybe it was a plan that we had. Maybe it was something that we really felt like that God gave us or that we were holding on to. Maybe it was a promise to God. Maybe anything, just some faith. That's what this dream can represent. He spoke that out, and he was betrayed by his family. They threw him in a pit. Okay, his family, they're a dot on our little graph here, on Joseph's graph. Okay, then he's thrown in a pit and a caravan gets him out. That caravan is, is a point. I promise you that if Joseph was trying to fill in his sheet, because I'm one of those really overachiever people, so I would try to fill in all of it with all the people that I thought would be in my life before I just saw who God wanted to be there. And so if Joseph was filling that out, he would have never thought that the caravan would be on his list. But they got him to Egypt. And in Egypt, he gets put in Potiphar's house. So Potiphar becomes a person on his graph. Okay, but remember, in between all of these, the connection with God, and I'm going to show you what happens when we truly connect with God after each one of these, what God's going to do in the big picture. Okay, so he connected with God, and I'll, t I'll tell you why I know that. But then we have Potiphar's wife. That becomes a, a plot on the graph. So then he's falsely accused, and he's thrown in prison. And this is the part I want to focus on, is that while he's in prison, there's the cupbearer and the baker of Pharaoh that are also in prison with him. Okay, this is Joseph's darkest moment. He has been betrayed by his family. He has been sold as a slave. And now he's been falsely accused and he's thrown in prison. He has no idea why. He doesn't know how he's going to get out. He's been betrayed. He's been hurt. He's probably a little mad at God. Like, if you wouldn't have given me the dream, I wouldn't be here. So if we put ourselves in the story as Joseph, now these other guys over here are talking about a dream. They're like, hey, we had this dream. Okay, here's what Joseph, Joseph has two choices here. Joseph knows that he can interpret their dreams and help them out. But Joseph also has been very hurt by dreams of his own. And too many times the reason that we do not connect with people is because we've been hurt in a way that we don't want to see them succeed because we didn't feel like we succeeded. We feel like God failed us, so we don't want to encourage what they're doing. Yeah, you can dream all you want, and we're a little bit bitter about it. Because it didn't work out for us. And so it's so easy for us to quench something in someone else that we didn't feel like was fulfilled in us. But see, our picture looks different than their picture. What God's doing in us is different than what God's doing in someone else, but we need each other. Do we see how this works? But we can be so much in ourselves, we can be so much focused on ourselves that I'm bitter towards what God's doing in them. I'm hurt because of what happened to me. I'm still, un I have a little bit of unforgiveness. And you know what? I'm a little bit angry about what happened and I don't understand what happened in my life. And so why would I help somebody else? Why would I believe in somebody else? And maybe it hurts to believe in somebody else because we know how it makes us feel to know that we didn't get that thing that we thought we would get. That thing that we were believing for, that thing that we were holding on to. Okay, Joseph could have done that. But here's what happens. Even in his darkest moment, even in our darkest moment, God has someone that he wants us to connect with. 
Even in our darkest moment, even in those times that we're hurt and we're angry. And I wonder how many times in our darkest moment we've missed the connection that God purposely placed there because we were so focused on how it was affecting us instead of being focused on our connection with God and what God wanted to do through it. And so Joseph, he does help these guys. He goes, no, I have something to offer you because he kept that connection with God. That's the only way that he could do this. So he kept that connection and he did help them. He interpreted their dreams. Okay, little did he know and the story ends up that that became the, the way that Joseph got out of the prison and into the palace to fulfill the purpose that God had for his life. That connection. He didn't know that. When he was filling out his graph, he did not think a baker and a cupbearer was going to be on his little chart. But God placed them there. That was a connection that was needed in that moment. And that was the only thing, that was the, the very thing that took him from the prison to the palace. And in our darkest moments, have we missed the connection that God had to take us from where we're at right now to the purpose that he created us for because we're busy focusing on what is bothering us and what is hurting us and how God needs to fix it instead of focusing on the connections that God put there. How many opportunities have we missed? What, how, what a distorted picture. I wonder if... if Joseph wouldn't have helped them what the story of Joseph would have ended up. Do we see how God's picture is so much bigger? He used a baker and a cupbearer, but he also used the gifts and talents that he put inside of Joseph to interpret dreams. And so many times we quench those things because it didn't work out for me, so I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to come alongside of you because maybe I'm a little bit jealous that it'll work for you and it didn't work for me. But little did, little did Joseph know that the second that he helped them, that they got out, and yeah, it took a little while, but they remembered and he got out and he became the overseer over Egypt. He fulfilled the purpose. Those dreams that God gave him came to pass because see, our circumstances don't change God's plan for our lives. Our circumstance doesn't change the name that he gave us. Joseph's name was still Joseph even in the prison. That didn't change. God's plans didn't change. His circumstances changed. His feelings might've changed, but what God's plans were for Joseph didn't change. And he, he God set a connection there to get him out, but we can miss the connections. We can be so focused on ourselves that we forget to stop and look and let God speak. But it comes through people. God accomplishes his purpose through people and God accomplishes his purpose in us for the purpose of people. God doesn't wanna work in us, he wants to work through us. To the people around us. God's purpose can't be accomplished without purpose, or people. And if we're living a purpose in our lives that doesn't um, require people, around us, it doesn't include the people around us, then we're not living God's purpose for our life because it never will not include people. See, but here's what we have to do is that God's word never says to trust people. It only says to trust God. It doesn't tell us to trust people because we all fall short. We know that. We know that we're going to mess up. We know that we're going to let people down. We don't try to do it. It happens. We're going to disappoint some people. Some people are probably going to get offended and walk away. That's going to happen in life. And when those things happen, maybe we were rejected. Maybe we were betrayed. Maybe we were abandoned. Maybe we have lived an isolated life. We put a wall up against people. But you know what that does? It immediately distorts the purpose that God has for your life. And Satan wants to keep us in a place because we need to protect ourselves. We can't let people in because they hurt me. 
But Satan knows that the second that he does that, he can get you to isolate yourself and he can get us to, to block out people because they've hurt us and, and, and uh, they've broken trust. That the second that that happens, that now Satan's distorted the big picture in our life. But we're the body of Christ, remember? So we have one big picture together because I said that my purpose cannot be accomplished without you. Your purpose can't be accomplished without me. So if I have a distorted picture in my life, does that distort all of our picture? Do we see how Satan works? How he wants to divide? Okay, God knows us by name, but do we know the people around us by name? Do we know the people around us by name in those dots on that chart that we go, I choose to connect with God and I choose to connect with people. But can we bring ourselves to the place that I choose to trust God over people. I choose to glorify God more than I choose to glorify myself. I choose to respond to what God's asking me to do than I choose to respond to my emotions. See, God wouldn't ask us to trust him and bring people into our lives that he hasn't given us everything we need to handle it. I can love you through your shortcomings because I have a God that loves me through my shortcomings. I can give grace to you because my God gave grace to me. Who are we to withhold love, grace, and trust in people when we have a God that will, doesn't withhold anything from us? He gives us more than enough. And I had to ask myself, does it hurt? Yeah, I don't want to forgive people all the time. I don't want to love people all the time. Sometimes I'd like to be a hermit and live in a little hole. Okay? I don't, I don't want to do that all the time. But who am I to withhold what God has for somebody else because I'm worried about my feelings? When God gave everything for us, absolutely everything, we so easily withhold it from people. And when we withhold it from people, we completely shrink. We distort the, the big picture of what God has for our life. We distort the purpose that God has. And not only for our lives, but we distort the purpose in someone else's life because I was supposed to play a role there. We distort the purpose that God has for the body of Christ because we can't function without you. There's not one person in this room that we can function without. We need every single person in this room. Because you have something to offer that no one else can. That you have a name that is not in this room. That God has named you, predestined you, and called you for right now, for this place, for the people around you. And we can't do it without you. That's how important we are. But we can so easily put a wall up against people. We can so easily not forgive. We can so easily be bitter. And life hurts. Things happen. Betrayals happen. Rejections happen. It happens to all of us. But we serve a God that's greater than that. We serve a God that what he's put on the inside of us is greater than what anybody can do to us. The love that my God has put on the inside of me and the grace that my God has put on the inside of me is greater than what everybody in the entire universe could ever do evil against me combined. We got nothing, but we have to be able to come to a place where we humble ourselves and go, God, I choose to see people how you see people. I choose to see beyond myself. I know it hurt because you know what happened at the end of Joseph? The very people that betrayed him came back at the end and asked him to help him. What would we do? Let's be honest. What would we do? And that's bold, but at the same time, he kept that connection with God. So he wasn't looking at the small picture of, nope, you ticked me off and I'm going to ruin your life. And I have the power to do so. Actually, the power that you dogged on to begin with. Okay. That's not Joseph. Joseph connected those dots and he kept God in between and he said, no, I see the bigger picture and my God loves me, so therefore I will love you. We always use the scripture, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world when we're going through a really hard time and we want God to help us out of it. But we forget that scripture suddenly when God asks us to forgive somebody, I can't. 
And God goes, it was greater that was in you yesterday. What changed today? We forget that when God asks us to forgive, that we go, you're right. Greater is he that is in me than he that is the world. I can, I can forgive that person. I can forgive because you forgave me. That's the God we serve. Will you stand with me? Isolation will leave us limited. We will never get to see the big picture that God has for our lives. We will never be able to walk with someone else in our life. And it will always be a distorted picture. But then what also it does is it distorts the picture of everybody else around us because we need you.